0: You're not pushing the envelope if you're not failing. Continue to learn and challenge yourself and adapt.
1: Welcome to the first episode of Sean's Journey to Value Creation. And today we're Sean at Woodrow. How are you doing today, Sean?
0: Very good, thank you.
1: Good. Hey, so I know that we kind of want to just jump right into it. What is your personal background? I know you have an amazing story when it comes to the company of Woodrow and also exterior companies too. What's been your background?
0: Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Um, I spent a little over three decades in the um, you know, public-private markets and uh, corporations and a um, you know, variety of different experiences, right, and a variety of cross-functional um, experiences, which I would love to tell you that I had the uh, foresight to model, um, but somehow it, you know, um, serendipity just worked out. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, from $20 billion corporations to sub hundred million dollar private company, um, it was just a variety of different experiences and a variety of different cross-functional from, um, from starting from with engineering to operations, to purchasing, to marketing, to, um, e-commerce, um, mm-hmm. sales. And so, um, I share that with you because I, it, I would tell you that I didn't realize how valuable all those experiences were until until much later in my career.
1: Yes, absolutely. So, how that engineering is very different than purchasing. Yeah. So, how did you pick up those skills when you transitioned roles?
0: Yeah. So, uh, really great question. So, uh, engineering, you know, is very, very um, methodical, process driven, right? Logical related. And um, what I did was I spent a great deal of time in operations, um, modernizing and um, driving uh, automation. Um, and so what, what I learned there, um, a couple of really key lessons early on in my early 20s was, you know, uh, you love working with machines because you know what happens? Machines don't talk back. <laughs> they don't break. If they break, you know how to fix them. You know how to fix them. <laughs> but I found out that people talk back. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was challenging working and learning to work in a union environment. And not only that, I, I, um, I spent, a f- um, you know, six years in the Asia theater. Um, you know, driving productivity and automation projects for um, the Tire and Rubber Company. Wow! Um, So a variety of different experiences there, right? You have to not only learn functional skills that you're learning early in your career, but you quickly learn how to deal with a variety of cultures, um, uh, labor relations, et cetera, right? So so really, really great formative stuff. So how does that go into purchasing? Well, I was fortunate to um take on some early roles in project management mm-hmm. managing you know several uh, multi-million dollar projects in these um in different countries um from Malaysia, Thailand, Indonesia and entering China at the time. Um and so when you're dealing with um those project management and contract management you're also negotiating. Sure, absolutely. So those 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 skills I learned um helped me to morph into purchasing because it was early on that I realized that there was almost a, a nice complementary there, right? I had the functional domain knowledge mm-hmm. of the operations and the equipment and the processes, right? So I could understand um, what equipment we're trying to buy, what services we're trying to buy. Um, and then I had also acquired some uh, functional purchasing mm-hmm. experience with
1: negotiating and contracts and whatnot. So it was a nice, it was a nice um, combination. Nice. Absolutely. Now, before that, starting in engineering, where'd you go to school? how did you pick up your first engineering degree and land that first engineering Yeah, job? Yeah. I went to uh, University of Toledo in electrical engineering.
0: Oh, cool. Um, I grew up in Cincinnati. And then, you know, um, I w- often get asked this question, why Toledo? And Why Toledo? Uh, yeah. Why Toledo, <laughs> right? Part of the reason was um, a few buddies and I, uh, and uh, we went to Toledo because we had this entrepreneurial itch. Sure. Right. And so um, uh, we just found that um very conducive for us to not only pursue our, our 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 degree programs but we also tried a few ventures sure together right? in Toledo together in Toledo we failed at a few of course um um uh, hence I'm sitting here um but uh we did we were successful in one which was a video production company believe it or not fun in the um now I'm going to date myself, right? But
1: in the 80s. <laughs> nice. Yeah. They had cameras back then. Just we had cameras. Yeah. It was all yep. digital and you didn't cut anything up, right? Yep. That's amazing. And then so you've always had the entrepreneurship spirit that went into engineering. Yep. So then what happened in that brief area to go from that entrepreneur startup mentality here with my buddies, got my degree to that first corporate job? What was that transition like?
0: Yeah. You know, I, I had planned to, to pursue the entrepreneurial route, um, uh, but I also wanted to get some experience um, in in operations and engineering, right? I had mm-hmm. not really un, uh, done much with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, you know, if I've spent four years getting a degree, um, I'd like to understand a little bit more about how it's applied. Sure. Uh, so that was... Um, and I wanted to also have the opportunity to um, uh, work in international settings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, Goodyear offered a great opportunity um, mm-hmm. in a management program that... Mm-hmm just kind of fit right and so so at the time I, I thought it would be a short time frame and um 30 years later here i am
1: here you are and then you've obviously had multiple steps where you talk about transition from engineering to purchasing and then eventually you kind of just kept going in that direction so what's been the biggest company that you've worked with i think you said 200 billion is that what? no I, no no twenty oh, billion. 20, it, oh, I mean, sorry just no it's billion. okay <laughs> it's okay um
0: uh, Goodyear was probably the largest, okay. um, and then there was another packaging firm called Amcor, sure. which was, uh, was about fourteen billion. Um, but in between there, I I would say a, a really a, a challenging transition is when you go from a large public corporation. Mm-hmm. Then I went to a smaller company which was about a billion and a half at the time, Greif Packaging, and uh, it was challenging, mm-hmm. right? Because you go from a really structured, methodical, process-driven. Um, regimented work stream mm-hmm. right into uh, a place that 's trying to be that, but um, you're allowed to you're allowed to um, how the how best say it is you 're allowed to try things and make mistakes mm-hmm. and make decisions mm-hmm. right and most corporations really are very um methodical and siloed.
1: Mm-hmm. And then you got even smaller. I mean, that's when you started getting the acquisition strategy too, right? So you're getting yeah. out of that structured environment going more to a, almost a start mentality. So it's kind of full circle for you. Yeah. So then what happened, what what happened right before Woodrow, right before you got involved with Woodrow? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, I think, it, um, just to step back. So I, I spent 15 years in, at Goodger, so it was, okay, cool. it was not a easy change for me. Sure. Um, and then I went, You know, to Grife, which was about a billion and a half. And the beautiful thing about Grife was um, it was a transformation of a company that was a regional company in Ohio um, into a global company because they just made two acquisitions and they were trying to figure out um, how to drive value out of it, right? So the opportunity to come in um, and work on that marketing strategy transformation was incredible learning, incredible learning, and and I was fortunate to apply that in the U.S., um, South America, uh, South Africa, Australia, and it just it just sort of solidified what works and what doesn't, right? Mm-hmm. And I mentioned that because that toolkit was critical in in sort of forming my foundation on um, on how to drive value creation. And mm-hmm. um, so from there, uh, I tried a variety of different areas from private equity on the West Coast and packaging, and then one of the th- constants that I I, I somehow, as I mentioned, I would like love to tell you that I had this prescriptive approach. <laughs> you had
1: this plan, right? I had the this all planned
0: out. But the other thing I did was I went to medical devices yeah. after packaging. So to go from an unregulated open free market, if you will, to a regulated market was incredibly challenging. Sure. Incredibly challenging. And just learning the lingo, terminology, the processes, right, um, was different, right, and difficult. But uh, I would say that for me, that, that was another developmental area or an opportunity. So uh, having gone through a couple of that, I did, uh, uh, my last stop was in packaging, Mm -hmm. um, Amcor, rigid packaging. So we made poly bottles. um, The division I went to um, had just made three acquisitions uh, entering into a new arena for them um, and they weren't really going well. And so my job was to come in and help uh, uh, turn those around and and drive the value creation and the performance that they had committed to the board. Right. Which was a thesis for making the acquisition. Right. So while prior to, uh, prior to me coming on board, they had sort of destroyed value, you know, based on their thesis. And then uh, we were able to uh, re- restore to rebuild that. It.
1: Right. Absolutely. Now, looking at the, some of the themes you've talked about in the past couple minutes, the first is value creation. That's obviously your passion. Yeah. So what does that mean to you? Why yeah. are you so focused on value creation?
0: Yeah. So um, you know, if I step back in engineering for a second, right, the one thing about engineering is everything's a process. Right there are inputs, there are outputs right and um and there's a system, and for every um process, you want to maximize your output right um and you want to be able to transform your inputs into as much as you can and so value creation is just another part of that right is how do i how do you take the challenge and the 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 just think about that the energy and the passion and the challenge of taking an enterprise mm-hmm. right um that is underperforming. Right, and having the opportunity to turn that around and drive it into a high-performing um, uh, business is exhilarating. And that's I, your thing. That's my thing. I love
1: it. I love it. Nice. It's a challenge.
0: It's a challenge um, of that part, but I also feel that um, it also gets me angry to find a company that's underperforming. Really? I don't why? know why. I, because I just feel back to my engineering days. Like this here's a system. It's a It's a process, right? Why can't you tweak the controls? What you do as an engineer in electrical is you tweak controls, right, to, sure. to figure out what are the tunable variables, what aren't, and how to drive performance. It's no different from a company.
1: So that being said, you've done this multiple times. You've turned multiple companies around from giant to small. Looking at that process, what are some of those common variables between companies? Is it the people? Is it the processes? Does it depend?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, it, it doesn't really depend. It's about, it's many of the ones you mentioned, but I would step back and say um, the first thing um, to really look at a company is the is beyond the beyond the normal financial fundamentals, right? Because you can do all your DCF, you know, discounted cash flow analysis, and figure out what the what the worth of a company is. But what's really what you really need to understand is is a couple of what we would call sort of work streams, right? Sure. Um, the commercial side how how is it how is it positioned in the market what kind of products does it have right um is it extracting value for those products right do they understand the value they're creating for their customers um then the operation side is you know how efficient are they are the employees from a cultural standpoint problem solvers mm-hmm. sure. right yeah, are the they do, interactive uh, do they have the training not only training but do they have the courage and um uh, and the opportunity to problem solve, right? Mm-hmm. Or is it everything's dictated and edicted? So a lot of that was culture. It's culture, yeah. But there's functional and culture, right? So culture sure. is the foundational, right? Because if you don't have that foundational piece of it, right, you can talk about everything we're talking talk about, commercial operations, supply chain, working capital. I can talk to you about all those, but you've got to be able to punch holes in the organization, right? And mm-hmm. drive that cultural change where, they're, where they have the courage to say, I'm going to go from a journey from... I can't do anything, worst case, right? Right. Two, I have the freedom to solve and make decisions, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And if I fail, I won't be punished, right, necessarily. if you
1: made a safe space based on trust. So how do you lead people in a journey? Because that's just newsflash. I'm sure you know this. That's not how the majority of the economy works, right? So how do you lead people through that journey?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, people inherently i I don't believe people i i believe inherently people want to succeed and participate right they want to be part of a team right they want to uh help and they get frustrated when they're not given the opportunity to do so so really all we have to do is provide them a direction first of all like what's the vision where are you headed right does it come am I getting excited by this uh and energize so those are the kind of things that we first set the stage on and then the second part of that is uh then the um the toolkit the training right right so that they understand how to problem solve and then just letting them go on it nice. right and, and 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 supporting them in that
1: yeah. Now take a step back. That was the first thing I really saw was that value creation. How do you drive that in a company? The second thing is you're very intentional about your learning. You said a couple of times from that first company, there was an amazing learning opportunity. Yeah. Most people say, I made a ton of money, right? But you right. said, I, this taught me so much. And the second job taught you so much all the way to where you're at today. Yeah. How do you stay focused on learning more information as you go? Do you find yourself as a continual learner?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. And I, you know, that's, that was one of the things that I mentioned is, um, sort of a serendipity is uh, I would tell you the one constant um, and this is what I share with um, my children and other folks is you know constantly learn right there's the only one the one thing that you're always going to find if you look at technology is a great example there's so much change right (laughs) that you have to continue learning right and you have to learn to adapt right and so that leads to resiliency because you're going to have setbacks Mm -hmm. if you can figure out learning adapting resiliency right and continue doing that I can take a person in any function, right, and say, okay, I'm going to move you from IT to HR, HR, purchasing, sales, and you'll figure it out, right? Sure. Um, Because I've created a safe space for you, and I've encouraged you to do these things.
1: That's counterintuitive to how we've built the economy. Most companies are, hey, you failed, get out. So that goes back to your culture. So you're building that curiosity into the culture as well. Yeah. That's brilliant.
0: So what I say is, you know, fast fail, right? We keep it small. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, don't fail on a public level quickly, right? To, yeah. So yeah, so we 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 love, um, and I encourage people because here's the thing, right? I learned early on in my career um, is you're not pushing the envelope if you're not failing. Sure, right? Complacency will lead you to stay, keep, maintain the status quo. Go at it, and that's really the story of this company. And when we get to that section, I would tell you that that's the story of this company was, you know, complacent status quo. Don't push the envelope at all. I forget pushing the envelope. I, I don't think they knew uh,
1: that there was an envelope to push. Mm-hmm. So. They they knew what they were doing. They're just going to do it. And we'll get to that in the future episodes too. Now I have one more question about your journey. Sure. You said you have kids, yeah. So obviously you have a family. How has your family interacted and gone with you through the your the journey of your career?
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I, a very supportive family. Right. My 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 wife is my partner and very supportive. And and I say that because I moved around a lot mm-hmm. and she was the one that had to pick up those pieces, right? And take care of the kids and the transfers of all, you know, all that, right? We moved, I, I, my kids went through three middle schools, Oh, my son, right? So it was, it's, it's challenging, right? Um, But um, very, so my wife, uh, very supportive. Um, My children, um, while I would say that they went through a lot of change, it, it also helped them develop different skills. Mm-hmm. That they didn't have before. Mm-hmm. And so um I think they, you know, I'd like to at least maybe see from my rosy colored lenses <laughs> sure. that, uh, you know, they're they're better for it.
1: They learn how to be adaptable. Again. Exactly right. It's the same skill set you were just talking about. Exactly right. Now, along this path, I'm not a huge believer, and you might be, we can debate it for days if you want, about like the great man theory of like this person's amazing and they're in their little silo and they're doing it themselves. So who've been the major mentors and influencers in your life?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Um I I would say that, you know, I had a I had a leader in Goodyear um uh and who recruited me into another division. And uh he, he I, I love what I learned about from him was this this whole thing about um really just challenging mm-hmm. the status quo, right? Mm-hmm. Just challenging things and um and and not uh being afraid to make mistakes. To me that stuck with me a long time, right? A really long time. And then I've had another mentor, you know, uh, that helped me think about people, mm-hmm. culture, organizations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because that was not, that's not something you normally think about from a technical.
1: As an engineer, no yeah. one's thinking about like, how do I engineer a culture? That's not in the same side of the brain.
0: Yeah, you don't think about that. So, right. so those are areas that help me really
1: um, sort of develop. Nice. That's brilliant. And then final question two, outside of driving value creation, which I think if you don't have a tattoo, you should get that somewhere. <laughs> what is another life motto you have?
0: Yeah. Well, I, th- you know, we've discussed it and I will tell you, this is, um, <laughs> and will be no secret to my kids. It's, it's what I've been mentioning, right? Continue to learn and challenge yourself and adapt because mm-hmm. that is the only thing, no matter what you try. Hey, listen, um, I try to play golf.
1: <laughs> How'd it go? I still try,
0: (laughs) so you know. But you know, challenge yourself, have fun at it, right? And so there are there there are times to also you know take a break, right? Recharge, Uh, and so these are areas that that um, I just think are critical for us because the human body and the mind is another system. So we do need this opportunities to kind of recharge and, and 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 have some downtime.
1: Now, if that's your motto, is like continue learning. I love that. What are you looking at right now? What's happening in the economy or in technology that's making you excited as yeah. a thought leader? Yeah, listen,
0: technology, right? So the techie in me, I, I you know, I love the application of technology, right? So, um, uh, I am, I am really gung ho on this, on all of this conversation around artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. right? Because of the opportunity of what it will do for us. The productivity is one thing, right? The opportunity for a variety of products that drive. Um, consumer um um uh, mobility, mm-hmm. right? Consumer ease, right? Mm-hmm. Um it's just amazing. Uh, the other is um uh blockchain, right? Sure. Forget the crypto space, but the what blockchain um potentially could do, right, and allowing the entire ecosystem globally mm-hmm. to uh work seamlessly. Communicate um is an amazing opportunity in my in my opinion, right? And then I would say generally biotech. Sure. Right? Because we have so many advancements um all populations of the world are aging, right? As we know.
1: <laughs> yeah, tell me more.
0: I'll tell you all right. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, biotech, and I'm probably that's why I'm more interested as I get older, um, sure. biotech, you know, to me offers a tremendous opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. To a- aid us as we age mm-hmm. um, and to age gracefully. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, those are, and there's so much innovation occurring, right? Um, and that's that's the other thing, right? So the, 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 the techie geek in me still loves the innovation, right? Mm-hmm. And so just trying to figure out how to apply all those in a in um in a variety of industries really ventures.
1: In nice. I love that. Any other closing comments on what's got you to the purchase Woodrow?
0: No, I, I think Woodrow for sure um, you know, I would tell you was a diamond in the rough, mm-hmm. right? Um, a company with a 58 year tradition that offers, offers a great opportunity.
1: Right. Fantastic. Awesome. Well I think that's all we have today for today's episode. So make sure you tune in next week to hear continuation of this awesome series.